0: I'm Alex Shaw.
1: I'm Sharon Shaw. And
0: And welcome welcome to to... School of Movies. (laughs) Predator 2 and Predators. Previously on Gonzo.
2: The other day, I was going down to my girlfriend.
1: I said to her, Knock, knock.
0: Stick around.
1: This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. Los Angeles, 1997. It's the hottest summer on record. Pollution is choking the city. The gangs control the streets.
2: It has not been a nice day!
1: As bad as things are, they're about to get worse. Much worse. (laughs) You don't know what you're dealing with other world life forms drawn by heat and conflict he's on safari lions tigers the bears oh my danny glover gary Busey, ruben blades maria conchita alonso bill paxton predator 2 he's in town
0: with a few days to kill Now, Neil, you've expressed repeatedly that Predator 2 is your favourite of this series, so you have the floor to wax as lyrical as you like as to why, in just a bit after I give a few facts. Okie (laughs) dokie. This was made three years after the original. Dutch was initially supposed to return, uh, but Schwarzenegger decided to opt for a sequel to another of his 1980s sci fi adventures. You may have heard of it. Anyone? Terminator 2? Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Good choice, honey instead his character was worked around and became gary Busey's agent keys now i would have loved to have been in the room the day they couldn't get arnie but some guy came running in excitedly telling the group that instead they managed to get the guy from lethal weapon mel gibson uh who the the other one you want to mean the one who's too old for this shit They also managed to score Lethal Weapon's henchman Mr. Joshua, Gary Busey, in some sort of two-for-one deal. This was directed by Stephen Hopkins, the illustrious director of Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. And he went on to film Blown Away, The Ghost in the Darkness, Lost in Space, Half of the First Series of 24, and The Reaping.
3: Okay, so there is some good movies in
0: there. Yes. I actually quite like The Ghost in the Darkness. It was about Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas defending themselves against lions in Africa.
3: Or as I heard it put the best way, jaws with paws.
0: Nice. (laughs) (laughs) It's a forgotten movie, that. No one ever talks about The Ghost in the Darkness. I've got it. It's excellent. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, similarly The Relic has anyone ever seen The Relic yes yes quite good
3: it's a monster movie of course in fact let me have a look I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street 5 Predator 2 (laughs) Judgment Night Blown Away Ghost in the Darkness Lost in Space Uh, you're
0: a relative Stephen Hopkins fanboy
3: (laughs) I've seen most of those to
0: be fair and you you do like a bit of 24 don't you
3: I do not as much as Mr. Bachelor but yes I do like 24
0: okay and uh, just before you do your thing, just to set the scene, this film takes off in the far-off future world of 1997, when Los Angeles is being torn apart by gang warfare. Interestingly enough, two years after this film was made, tensions between the police and local gangs erupted into real-life riots in LA,
3: which is one of the reasons for the setting of this movie. Uh, because at the time tensions were incredibly
0: yeah, were high. That way already, so uh, yeah, it was a pretty grim place to be in the early 90s. Okay, right. Uh, Neil, go for, your, go for your life. Why? T- tell us, uh, it's not so much to convince us, but uh, tell the world why Predator 2 is actually really, really good.
3: This is the reason why I stand up for Predator 2 a lot. I think Predator 2 suffers the same problem that Halloween 3 has. Now, Halloween
0: 3... Would that be Season of the Witch? Season of the Witch, which is... Not to be confused with Season of the Witch, which came out last year.
3: Oh, God, yes, it gets confusing. But Halloween 3... People it We well, were expecting one thing and got something else. And this is pretty much what happened with Predator. You know, people love Predator. Don't get me wrong. I love Predator One, but and of course, obviously, they wanted a sequel. And I should imagine a lot of people wanted to see it take place instead of in the jungles. They wanted to, you know, the natural progression is take it to a city. All makes good sense. Where I think people don't like it is the fact that obviously you swap Arnie for Danny Glover, and it is a big change, absolutely it. huge change. But I really like this world that they set up in this yes it's an la that has gone to shit it really has the gangs are pretty much running the shot the police are underpowered and undermanned and just again much like like Robocop,
0: actually we mentioned <laughs> that one
3: yeah hence why this film is so high in my
0: dark futures list mm. but um you know the dark future of 1997 <laughs> well, for the time it was oh god imagine it! i'll be 17 what'll it be like
3: I, I should imagine if you were in LA at the time, this this movie was made. The tensions this was probably quite believable.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. With the exception of you know the the alien going around killing off drug dealers, by yeah,
0: that, But yeah, apart from that, it's a documentary.
3: But, you know, I I mean, this was the first Predator movie I ever saw. And this has got some of the... This has got almost as many memorable moments in it as the first one. You know, we talked about the gunfire scene and things like that. Well, this has got the Predator, you know, and the lightning holding up the severed skull. It's got the whole warehouse scene and the demise of Gary Busey. Mm. which is pretty excellent. Uh,
0: Interjection is not a severed skull. It's not been severed from the spinal column, in fact, very significantly. It's one of those spinal column moments. It's the spinal column. It's severed from the body, yeah. With lightning, which just makes it (laughs) cool. Yeah, lightning just means cool. Oh, do you remember the trailer? It went, uh, I'll see if I can track it down, but it went, he's in town with a few days Days
2: to kill... Oh,
3: yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, like I said, this is the first, and another memorable moment, and this is one that a lot of people remember is him dropping into the alley, into the puddles, oh, yes. and slowly walking, and the cloak,
0: well, um, slowly failing. stamping towards King Willie, like just you like, hey, King Willie, it's me, the predator. I don't know why he's Mario,
3: <laughs> <laughs> some twisted form of Mario. People remember King Willie as well. It, it makes me laugh how people want to hate on this movie, yet you remember so much of it. And this also introduces a lot of the, the, a change up in the weapons. You've got the spear, mm-hmm. you've got the—I want to say discus, but I suppose that's not right. Crawl
0: flying disc? Oh, it's not crawl, it but be. <laughs> the air would be. the novelty flying disc.
3: Yes, uh, you know it's, uh, which all comes into pr- yeah. uh, play in the warehouse scene, mm-hmm. which again is probably house. Oh, hang on, what's the word? Slaughterhouse. Slaughterhouse. Which it- literal <laughs> slaughterhouse? Uptly named thank you but uh, there's also a lot more a lot more I admit this is a lot more set PC um, you know you have uh, where the, they find the bodies at the beginning of the movie I can't quite figure out what's going on you've got the train sequence as well the subway train sequence shown yeah.
0: good i've got uh, something on that in a bit but yeah
3: you've got the the slaughterhouse and you also have and this is what most people remember this movie for the end when you see the trophy cabinet
0: mm-hmm uh, actually, uh, if you the you, you mentioned something in uh, the last Predator show, Matt, uh, about that Trevor cabinet. I had to cut it out, because when I went back and looked in the film, I couldn't see it. But you're just going to have to go ahead and, and give me that rumour again.
3: Uh, yeah, it is rumoured. Now, <laughs> Alex, you say you looked and you, you didn't Good see it. it. Um, I think I've yeah. seen it in a behind-the-scenes
0: thing, they point to it
3: they do point to it in there you do clearly everyone sees the 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 alien skull which of course sparked the rumors for avp if only we had known Mm. if only but also in there somewhere is meant to be a terminator
0: skull which implies that the predators go to the future and kill terminators
3: uh, I think it's just more the fact that, you know, special effects, same special effects house. Sam you know, Whitson, yeah. <laughs> had a skull
4: lying around, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we had a skull. Stick it in there. No one will notice. Mm. What about the alien one? Mm, well, they'll just want a sequel. <laughs> Again, I say, if only we had known.
0: Yes. Oh, a <laughs> folly. Uh, anything more on why Predator 2 is, in fact, great? Um,
3: I like the characters more in this. Uh, they actually have characters, for a start. Oh,
0: well. Okay, right. That's debatable. Now, explain how they have character. All
3: right. So, in the first movie, we pretty much have the standard army ma- uh, army guys with
0: mm. little uh,
3: little characterisation. Whereas, like for example, with Danny Glover, you've got that that lieutenant that's just f- almost falling apart. This this thing has stretched into the limits, and he doesn't know whether or not he can handle it. Mm. You've got the new guy, uh, played by um, Bill Paxton. Paxton. Bill Paxton, the cocky guy. Jerry, yeah who you know thinks he's all that and then someone finds out not when it comes to predators he isn't Mm. you have uh, obviously uh, a a fairly strong female lead as well (sighs) fairly strong I'm not putting her up there with Ripley don't worry yep but to be fair, you compare this movie's female character to Predator's female character and she's better. You just wanna you it's just cause you don't like this movie. That's why I'm getting all this. I think this also has more kind of moments, with, especially with the the. we get a lot of upside down hanging bodies in this movie. It gets a
0: little Usually bit Usually without skin.
3: <laughs> gets a little bit carried away in that one. And King Willie is just a, it's a memorable bad guy. Even though he's not the main villain of this movie, he's memorable. Although you do feel kind of cheated,
0: in that he, he gets he buys it within two minutes of being on screen.
3: Yeah, he gets off, well, he gets off, but we but don't he has see such a great it.
0: theatrical moment. This creature is from the other side, the spirit world.
3: He's very voodoo man. You know, you could half half imagine him pulling out voodoo and trying to take it on. But he tries to take the pressure on, and it doesn't go well. I really love this movie. I honestly do. I will watch this one over the first one any day i really will now whether or not it's just a simple fact you tend to find that or i tend to think it is that the first one you see is the first one you love Mm. and obviously the first movie i saw was predator 2 so i absolutely love this plus i've got a thing for sort of that uh late 80s early 90s really nihilistic future type movie so Mm. this is really up my street you know with la going to hell and you know it's gone so far to hell the predators turned up to go hunting Plus, I think you also get a slightly more insight into The Predator in this one as well, especially when it comes to uh, the train sequence and why he doesn't kill Cantrell.
0: Matt, your thoughts on Predator 2?
4: Um, I, I like it. It's a good film. I, I wouldn't say I prefer it to Predator, but again, I saw Predator first, so I think I'd agree with Neil. There's a certain amount of preference for the first one that you see. Um, there's some good ideas in it. I think that the the basic team of characters... Is slightly less silly than in the first one because in the first one they're supposed to be search and rescue guys. What the hell does a search and rescue team need with a minigun? <laughs> <Just laughs> Not very really searchy or indeed rescuey. In case someone's
0: leg is trapped and they need to uh, shoot it uh, well, I out suppose. of there.
4: No <laughs> uh, lateral, extremely lateral thinking, I suppose. Um, but yeah, the the so the premise is a little bit more believable in, in that respect. Um, I think there's some better ideas in the second film but they weren't done as well as the ideas were done in the first film and uh, there's just a few things about this film that don't quite sit right the dubbing, I don't know whether it's just the the DVD I've got but the dubbing is really bad in places it is sometimes particularly Leona Cantrell's voice is dubbed Mm. really oddly it sounds like someone putting on a a Hispanic accent dubbing over her lines (laughs) I don't quite know why Um, it's quite possible that that
3: is what they did or that they were just she doesn't sound Hispanic enough
4: this this Hispanic woman doesn't sound Hispanic enough get someone to sound more Hispanic Um, that's what she sort of turned over and said
0: alright let's blow this pop stand (laughs) With Cantrell, it almost seems like they wanted to get Jeanette Goldstein, uh, who was Vasquez in Alien, so that they could reunite Hudson and, and Vasquez, who were quite an amusing team to play off against each other. But uh, Goldstein was actually doing Terminator 2 as well, because she was uh, John Connor's stepmother. So maybe they just went for this one instead. I, I could be wrong.
4: Yeah, I mean, it seemed to be the same sort of incredibly strong female character, really sort of gung-ho, almost almost masculine woman mm. in a way. There's
0: even that same sort of interplay where uh, he, he goes, hey, she goes, hey, how are your balls? And he goes, they're fine, how are yours? Which is pretty much exactly the same as, hey, Vasquez, you ever been
4: mistaken for a man? No, have you? It's, it is, it's the same, it's the same thing. Uh, mm. It's... It, and to be honest, it does work as well. Um, the the relationship between uh, Jerry and Leona is is probably the, the strongest in the entire film. Really, certainly by the end, towards the end, you can tell that, that from a from a frosty start, they have become really good friends. And she's really understood that everything that you see is just a front. Underneath it, well, he is a good guy, and he is really, really good at. He's a really good cop, and and there's a, a lot of respect there at the end. Um, mm. I, yeah, I thought it was probably the, 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 the one of the best, the best bits of the script. To be honest, was was the interplay between them. Are we talking about character growth here? <laughs> we are. We are amazingly. Uh, it's, okay. not, it's, not, it's a bit, it's a bit ham-fisted, but it, and again, the dubbing doesn't help, but it's there definitely.
0: You know what? I'm a little bit more convinced than I was when we first started talking from both of you. Actually, there's a little bit more to this film than I.
3: I will think. admit, you know, this film would probably have been better in the hands of a better director. He really would have been. Um, maybe because you know Stephen Hopkins hasn't got the greatest list of films, and by no and by no means has he done bad films. Blown Away is a pretty good film. Ghost in the Darkness is a pretty good
0: film. This he's one... not done anything which really set the world on fire. No. He's um, not a Cameron. He's not even a, a McTiernan.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, McTiernan is a very good director, and to step into those shoes is not an easy job. Mm. Especially by this point, what? He di- he'd done two movies, and one of them was Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Not the worst, but by no means the best. So it's not an easy job. Maybe in the hands of a different director. Also, do you know who uh, was producer on this one I don't know if he was the producer Joel on
0: this one. Silver yeah he likes Kabooms yes. and he is not renowned for having the smartest movies of all time he's
3: man and Robin
0: yeah he's kind of like Jerry Bruckheimer's slightly less intelligent brother <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was Michael Bay. He, he also produced The Matrix, so he has occasionally struck struck it right. So. Yes, okay. probably,
3: there's probably directors that tell him to go away.
0: Yeah, just just go and count the count the Benjamins. We'll tell you when we <laughs> need some cash. Okay, <laughs> it was the Predator's physical actor Kevin Peter Hall's last screen appearance as he died shortly before it was released. Although he did convince several of the L.A. Lakers to appear as the other Predators on the ship with him.
3: Which works quite
0: well, because when you yeah. see the rest of them, you're like, oh, oh shit. shit. Eagle-eyed sci-fi fans may recognise Keysman Agent Garber, as? Sir Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin, better known for his role as Jane Cobb in Firefly and Serenity. He's turned up in a whole bunch of older movies, and you're just like, that's that's Adam Baldwin.
3: Okay. You might actually have to reference Chuck now, because some people may not get the Firefly yeah, yeah. reference.
0: Yeah, he's so- John
4: Casey and Chuck as well.
0: If you don't get the Firefly reference, go watch Firefly, come back, we'll talk later. (laughs) Right. There's one scene in Predator 2, roughly akin to the zombie baby moment in the 04 remake of Dawn of the Dead, which Neil James Carter and I discussed in the Kid Dog Show a few weeks ago, uh, that, for me, is the the jump-the-shark moment. Can you guess which bit I'm talking about? Is it the seeing the baby? Uh, it's, it's the lead-up to that. It's when the Predator, not content with taking out the Colombian cartel, Jamaican Yardies and the cops caught in the middle, goes after a train full of civilians. Uh, Now, yes, they are armed, and some of them are crazy, but this is a giant, elongated barrel of fish moving at speed on a rail. It represents no threat to the Predator as he calmly marches through the darkened carriage, dealing out vicious ends to the panicking people. It's a million miles away from the stealthy, crafty, and cautious hunter in the original. There isn't a wisp of warrior culture on display here. This guy is just a thug and a bully. The clear lack of understanding on the scriptwriter's part, apparently, as to who and what this thing is, is ably represented in the moment when Bill Paxton's Lone Ranger Jerry Lambert stays behind to hold him back and fires repeatedly and fruitlessly at the stalking shape in front of him. But no problem with Jerry staying behind and having a last stand if the fact that he shoots directly at him and hits nothing but air. He's not an agent. That's not how the shift suit works. They bend light, making you invisible, not intangible as was proved in Predators when Nikolai shoots a Predator point-blank and hits him in the shoulder, making him roar. Jerry should have shot him successfully six times in the chest. Also, since they bend light and the creature is enveloped in darkness, there should have at least been flashes of time when you can actually see him. The single nod to a shred of nobility in the creature is when he catches vasquez light detective Leona Cantrell and finds out that she's pregnant, sparing her life along with that of the kid with the plastic Uzi 9mm at the graveyard. That is what's so puzzling about the train sequence. It makes no sense for a being who has some respect for innocent life to behave in this manner. A character inconsistency repeated in Aliens vs Predator Requiem. On a final note, for the unborn fetus to have had a heartbeat that loud, Detective Cantrell would have had to have been at least five months pregnant and already definitely showing. In short, they'd have taken her off that particular beat.
3: I can honestly say I can't actually defend the train sequence. To me, it always has felt shoehorned in.
0: It's overkill. It it
3: does feel shoehorned in. Uh, it, like you say, it doesn't serve a purpose. It, it it actually sort of contradicts what we already know and have seen from the Predator. And I mm. agree. The only way you could describe it is maybe he isn't just going after the gangs because we see that, you know, because L.A. is so dangerous, everyone's yeah. just a little bit nuts and armed.
0: I mean, it, he must... The, the way they could really have explained it a bit before is just to have the Predator just observing people going in and out of subways and going, he's got a gun, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. I wonder what would happen if I just sort of jumped in there. But the issue is that the predator doesn't feel like he's in danger at all. And it's, it's he's just sort of marching around, going, "I kill you, I kill you, I yeah, kill the, you."
3: The only the only thing I can think of is that he's actually following the two coppers in there and he's hunting them. And maybe it's just the fact it's a case of there's innocent bystanders. That's why it happens. But yeah, that scene, while looking cool in certain respects, it does feel very
0: shoehorned in. It's kind of nasty as well. It's like, Jesus, man, you didn't have to do that.
3: <laughs> it's, it's nasty, but it's not mean-spirited. We will get to mean-spirited when we do AVP 2.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, And I lose it's... my rag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to be with you with the rag losing at that point. Right. In both the original Predator and Predators, the Lion in the Jungle, Dutch and Royce, and the Hunter, develop something of an estimation for one another and on some level a grudging respect... <laughs> Harrigan never seems to get that, actively calling the predator Pussyface. In fact, Harrigan is one of my biggest problems with this film. Unremittingly grim and cantankerous, without being likeable, funny, professional, or particularly physically impressive, we know nothing about this character from beginning to end. Yet there's no mystery either. I see a toss-up between a much-strained wife, which would have been interesting and at least given him a second dimension, or, like Detective Somerset in Seven, an empty apartment to take nightly shelter from a cruel and heartless city, which would also have given us some key character depth i think the only thing you really get out of uh, harrigan is his feelings for danny danny boy
3: i've just seen harrigan as a burnt out cop he's just burnt out by the environment it's worn him down to that point where he's he is that he, he he's nothing more than just a shell of a man because of the world that he inhabits and the people that he deals it deals with on the daily basis
0: I think all it would have taken would be one scene where he sits down with Jerry after he's, you know, sort of a, to mirror that first scene where he sits down with him and goes, "Welcome to the slaughterhouse, kid," or whatever he says. He's basically, "Look, this job is shit. Who the hell transfers to come here? You, you know, I don't want any heroes on my force. You are going to get shot at." I um, have
3: a, I have a bit of trivia for you that links this movie to Predators. Uh, go. So you know that Lawrence Fishburne is in Predators. Uh, yep, Noland. That character was originally meant to be Hannigan.
0: Oh. Actually, that character was originally meant to be Dutch, but I'll get to that in a bit. Well, I heard it was meant to be Hannigan, so... I think they probably went, let's see if we can get Schwarzenegger. No, see if we can get Glover. No. Fishburn. <laughs> How did you get to Fishburne?
3: Yeah, that does make sense, although
0: uh, he is really good. <laughs> But yeah, no, just just one scene where he sits down with Jerry in a bar and goes, "Look, when I started this, I actually thought I was going to make a difference, and just to give you something." But um, I think you know, I don't know. Maybe it seems almost like there was a scene that should have been him- there with him and Danny talking about the how city's
4: opportunity. On. Yeah, there was oh, a bit yeah. where they sat down in a bar,
2: mm.
4: and uh, Hannigan, you know, showed a you know, grudging respect for for Jerry's skills. Mm. That would have been the perfect actually. moment to do it.
0: Yep, and also the graveyard scene would, would again been a really good moment for him to sort of you know open up a little bit to Danny. But all it seems to be a sort of a mirroring of that uh, Mac to Blaine scene in Predator. Mm. And then it sort of ended because the Predator spying on him, which is a violation. Very true that in the first and third films, you don't get much backstory for the lions in the jungle either, but you at least understand their motivation. The music absolutely sounds like Predator, but Sylvester arranged it while he was in the middle of scoring Back to the Future Parts 2 and 3, so that he must have been rather busy. I say arranged because this is nearly identical to the score for the original film. There's less of the quiet, creeping music because there's less of the tension and waiting in the film. And there are occasional tribal overtones which sell 1997 LA as a concrete jungle. But the basic framework of the tracks are exactly the same. Would have been nice if there'd just been a bit more of an urban hip-hop or Latino beat to a few of the musical themes, just to give it some personality. Uh, In the end, it comes off as being a bit half-arsed. If you've got the uh, soundtrack to Predator 1, just reorganise it, and you pretty much got the soundtrack to Predator 2. Yeah... And some might even argue, predators. Yes. (laughs) Ultimately, Predator 2 is not a terrible film, it's just crude and nasty at times. Though we do learn a few interesting things along the way. One, there's more than one of these guys, and they each look and behave differently. Some are more honorable than others. Two, they have many more weapons than the plasma cannon and the wrist blades. Three, they can see across more spectra than heat vision. Four, they will not kill pregnant women or children. Five, they can be rather cowardly when things don't go their way. Six, they've been visiting us to hunt for a long time. Seven, when you can earn the respect of the tribe, they will spare your life, even though your continued existence would leave vital evidence of theirs unaccounted for. And eight, they have hunted the Xenomorphs
3: which is not it which is just something you see it's never even mentioned yeah. and it I think it may have even just been put in there as just of a you know just one of those things that the prop guys do
0: hmm. So. Well, they, they put it centre stage. It's only for a few seconds, but it's like, hey, 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 folks. Ultimately, it would appear that this creature is a bit of a loose cannon and a bit sloppy, taking too many risks and appearing at times blood-drunk. His more hands-on approach to weaponry suggests that he's a little older and more experienced than the first creature, but still hasn't learned the self-control of age that future screen representations, and indeed the rest of his tribe here, display. He seems to have less to prove than the first one, but also seems like a bit of an asshole uh, and most likely something of a bully among his peers. Hey, dude, I killed 52 humans today on a train. What'd you do? Net result, he gets what's coming to him. He gets shot, gets his arm cut off, and then he gets a throwing disc in the chest. He leaves behind him a stack of corpses, an embarrassed tribe, and one hardened, miserable cop with a flintlock pistol who clearly, at a later date, got picked up by the Utani Corporation for questioning regarding the creatures. Maybe. Maybe.
3: I I refuse to see those other movies as part of this franchise. (laughs)
0: It's, it's, and I, I don't hate to, the first one. I don't actually. I, I don't hate the first one either. I think Paul and I have, have uh, clashed on this because Paul hated the first one, but found the second one somewhat amusing.
3: The second one, no, saving it, saving yeah, it, saving
0: it, saving it. <laughs> uh, but
3: like, look, the point is that while the first movie is in the hands of a very good director, and we'd like we said, it's very well paced. It's the setup all pays off. This is not the best times it could have been, but by no stretch of the imagination, is it a bad movie, but everyone seems to hate on it, probably because the fact, you know, there isn't an Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, the, you know, and it's a very different style of movie. Now, I wonder if there'd been as much hate on it if it had been Schwarzenegger in the lead, and st- but still pretty much the same as what we have here.
2: Hmm.
0: Probably not. I think people would have just, you know, it. in all seriousness, I think Arnie might have made it a little bit more fun, because... It seems, at times it seems that, well, it doesn't seem like Danny Glover's having any fun at all. I, I mean, Predator 1 isn't exactly fun.
3: No, it? again, like, it, it, it is what people were used to. We had Dutch, we had got used to this character, and when we we think sequel, we thought we were going to see more adventures of Dutch facing down another one of these. Mm. Whereas, really, it's a sequel in the sense that it's the, mon- the creature gets the sequel, not the hero.
0: Yeah, no sequel for you... And now, Predators.
1: What's the last thing you remember? All of a sudden there was a light and then I was falling.
4: Who are you? I was supposed to be executed two days ago. And I was in combat. So was I.
2: Black Ops. Yakuza.
0: We
1: need to work as a team. Does this look like a team-oriented group of individuals to you?
0: This film was released last year, and the pluralization is a direct and knowing nod to aliens. This is intended to be a genuine follow-up and successor to the 1987 original. It also serves as a remake of sorts, re-exploring the notion of a collection of exceptionally hard killers stuck in the jungle and hounded by this unseen alien menace. There are various twists in the tale, the first being that none of them know any of the others, and the very title of the film itself refers to the humans as well as the aliens, as all of them are hunters in their own right. Nimrod Antal had only directed three movies beforehand, including 2003's Control, with a K, not to be confused with Ian, the Ian Curtis biopic, and 2009's Armored, but he's probably best known for Vacancy, which, as I recall, Paul Chotten rather liked. The plot to Predators is fairly straightforward. Royce, played by Adrian Brody, wakes up in freefall over jungle terrain. The chute opens automatically at the last moment, and shortly after landing, heavily, he meets a series of rather dangerous people, all armed, all equally bewildered. It's not dissimilar to Lost, although the story was written by Robert Rodriguez in the mid-90s. As they traverse the jungle, the humans realize several things in turn. One, they've been placed here on purpose. Two, they're not on Earth anymore. Three, they're not alone. Four, all of them appear to have been chosen because they are killers in their own culture. Amongst them are an ex-Black Ops mercenary, a Yakuza, an RUF Death Squad commander, a Mexican cartel enforcer, a Russian Spetsnaz commando, a CIA assassin, and a death row multiple murderer. Edwin, played by Topher Grace, does not belong in their group. He is merely a doctor. And they are not the first to have been born here. Okay, so... Just mix this around a bit because I've got so much to say about this film that I I, I kind of want to get give you a chance to get your all in first if you want uh, Neil. So um, why don't you like Predators?
3: <laughs> all right, I'm going to say this. Um, I I watched pre- for the for the podcast. I watched them in a very different order. I watched it Predator,
0: mm-hmm.
3: Predators, mm-hmm. and then Predator Two. All right. Now when you watch Predators after Predator, you you sit there and go. Well, that's the same as the first movie. That's the same beat as the first movie. It, you know, whether or not intentional, it's a little bit of a... Sh- it feels a bit of a shoddy remake. But some of the big problems I have here, uh, for a start, I really feel that Adrian Birdie was miscast in this role Um because, you know, the role of Royce is this hardened... The role m- of Royce. Yes, it was Royce. <laughs> really? You went there? Sorry. You
0: started it. <laughs>
3: hey, uh, you know, he's meant to be this hardened um, mercenary character. And one thing you, when you look at Adrian Brody, is you don't think mercenary. And you know, to try and pull this off, he does the this this horrible trend we seem to have at the minute with action movies is the character will do, let's call it the Batman voice, <laughs> because that's
0: what well, it he is. talks like. This, and he's super intense all the time. Yeah, it's, There's something out there. It's up in them trees. We're all going to die.
3: And considering he somehow assumes the role of leader in this. He is Dutch for this movie, yet we don't even find out his name till the almost the end of the movie. Another big problem to me is, so you've got a mercenary, you've got uh, an enforcer, you've got a spetsnaz soldier, and all these this mixed bag of people that, mm. like you said, are predators.
0: Yet they instantly trust each other. Uh, seriously I, i'm seeing a hell of a lot of mistrust no that, that, okay sorry there's tons of mistrust in the movie for about
3: there's a, the there's first a five
0: minutes that are less professional like stans for example doesn't play well with others uh the the death row inmate um walton but, goggins who
3: can i just say is my favorite thing in this movie i love walton goggins he's walton.
0: awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm gonna do i'm gonna rape so many bitches yeah <laughs> five o'clock bitch raping time <laughs> There's a great bit of interchange. It was like you should stay away from him. Yep.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, you would just you know for Royce's brains in this movie, they do really well at showing that he's fairly smart. You have an enforcer for you know the Mexican drug cartel, notoriously nasty, Spetsnaz mm-hmm. soldier, hard as hell, uh, Israeli Defense Force sniper, hard, and all this, and he can't work out why the doctor doesn't fit. Did no one else see what he was going to be within like the first I don't know two minutes?
4: Well, if he'd actually done any kind of doctoring of any, if he'd showed any medical knowledge whatsoever, that might have. Well, helped. he knew
0: about the plants. Um, I think I just so assumed he was a doctor to... of
4: botany or what. I mean, he's I assumed PhD? <laughs> When
0: I was watching it, that he was there because the predators wanted to throw someone in the mix that wasn't of any use to them in terms of being a killer, but just to see if they would protect him. But obviously the the reality is, is far more twisted. Okay, so, yeah, I would agree that that's predictable to some degree.
4: Well, what I thought, at first, when, when, at first when, when he said he was a doctor, I thought that it was the Predators putting him in, basically to look after everybody else, to keep them basically... Fit so as they were good, better sport. You know, mm. in case someone fell over, sprained their ankle. Yeah,
0: that's kind of what. To keep
4: fighting trim, but then it just didn't do anything. At it Just do any
0: doctoring. If it patched
4: up someone's leg, that would have maybe have cemented that. But, exactly. Yeah. It's, it wouldn't have taken much to to make it a bit more believable.
3: Carry on, Neil. Um, what purpose did Lawrence Fishburne have in this movie?
0: To be mental.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, this movie. A... We'll, we'll get to the Lawrence Fishburne bit in a bit, but yeah. Uh, you know, my big. That's the shark jump.
3: The big problem with it, although the death scene was quite funny and very reminiscent of Mac, only on a bigger scale.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, but to me, this movie proves that a movie can have a plot, but not a story. Cause this movie does have a plot, it's very A to B, but its story is awful. Because it really, to me, feels like half, half a story. Now, whether or not that was done on purpose as a, you know, sequel bait, so we get Predators 2. Predators 2, Predators,
0: predators 4, it'll <laughs> just be called Predator something.
3: Yeah, you know, that really bugged me as well. But, the, like I said, back to the issue that you've got this group
0: that... No, hang on, I've, I, I've got to at least cut in and say I am flabbergasted that you consider that this film doesn't have a story. Do you consider that Predator 2 does have a story?
3: I think it has a, it has a more complete story. Look at the endings for, for Predator 2 mm-hmm. and the ending of this one. Is that ending to this movie satisfactory? Because it isn't to me. It feels like, no, there's more to this. And you've either purposely not put it in so you can do a sequel.
2: Sequel bait. Or,
3: you know, which really bugs me because sometimes, you know, they do that and they don't get a sequel. This, I think, probably will. You know, it's not terrible. It's to me. This is the one I watch the least, but it's not terrible. But to me, more than anything, it just strikes me as it is a inferior remake of the first one. Like you've got this group of highly trained military or gun wielding types. Yet yeah, the it, you, you say yes, there's distrust at the start, but it's so brief, and then it sort of just goes. It really just sort of goes. You know, there's because you know you have that scene with Walter Goggins
0: and the. uh in, uh, Mombasa, the Mombasca, uh, yeah. RUF enforcer.
3: Yeah, you know, they're going at it for no apparent reason, I don't know why,
0: but they are. I think it's just Stans is uh, racist. Stans yeah. is just a nutter. And possibly has sex with his sister. We don't know. It's conjecture.
2: Yeah,
3: slight <laughs> like tight casting for Walter Goggings, I really admit, but then again, he's just the perfect person for it. Mm. Uh, you know, you've got this Spetsnaz soldier who seems almost innocent. In all of it, almost. He does strike you as the nicest one of the lot, Nikolai. Uh,
0: the actor was trying to portray him as a Russian hero, rather than... Uh, the, the, he was pleased that he wasn't typecast as this... Imagine Peter stormer in Armageddon. That's what Russians see themselves being t- uh, cast as in American movies. It makes them very ashamed.
3: To be fair, you know, it was nice not to see him as that, but he just comes off as naive, maybe, would be better than innocent. You know, where he shows the do- you know, he takes a liking to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And surely, you know, this guy's a Spetsnas. That is Russian SAS. They are hard bastards. Mm-hmm. Surely he's- his senses will be going, you know, there's something not quite
0: right with this guy. <laughs> but he has children and he did feel protective of this guy. And Topher Grace fooled me.
3: Really? Okay. Um, and the biggest insult in this movie. Uh-huh. Yep. Biggest insult. And this is where Alex is probably really <laughs> going to disagree with me. Uh-huh. Is turning the predator into a pussy? I
0: think Danny Glover did that. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, no,
3: no, pussy face. no, 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 You see, all right, you can buy that. You know what? That was a cocky, arrogant, shitty predator that Danny Glover took out. In this movie, we get a, we meet the predator. He's already captured. You mean classic predator? Normal predator. The predator that we know.
0: He's referred to by the uh, the crew as classic predator. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm not even going to dignify that. You know, he's the normal pre He's the predator.
0: Yeah, he's the non-huge kind of predator.
3: He's not the crappy, look, it's the 20, you know, it's 2,000, we need to make them bigger, predator. And, by, and it spoils it because you go, we've seen what these predators can do in the first two movies.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, we know they are dangerous. They are, you know, perfect hunters almost. And then you introduce these other ones that we've never seen before and it's like saying, yeah, those, you know those other two? Forget it, they're nothing. This, this is what you want. It's like, no, we didn't need another type of predator because the one you've got works really well. We've seen what it can do. We know what it can do.
0: That bit kind of reminded me of, you've seen Jurassic Park 3? Yes. When the Spinosaurus shows up, it's. It's during a scene where the T Rex is dominating. You're like, "Oh my god, the T Rex is so badass!" Yes, and, and the T Rex gets eaten by a much bigger dinosaur. You're like, "Oh my god, he's not badass. This new dinosaur's badass. I've got to go out and buy that action figure." Not only is that Spinosaur
3: badass, it snaps its neck. All right, Ugh, another frustrating point. But anyway, back to <laughs> this. I really do not like the fact that they decided. No, the 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 predators that these guys are going to be facing are these new ones, these bigger, better ones. It's like. You didn't need newer, better ones. I think they were sort of trying to pull an alien queen on us, and mm. to me it fell flat. Because,
0: like I said... I can't tell you how much I disagree with you here. I love the fact that they expand the universe.
3: <laughs> it's like pushing a uphill, Matt, what,
0: Matt, come on. You well, you don't you? have to convince me, you just have to convince the, the, well, then, the listeners. this is you know what I mean.
3: I really do not like the fact that we, they decided, no, you know, classic Predator, ugh, I hate that term, but classic Predator, no, you don't want that anymore. You want this new, bigger, badder, better one. It's like, no, there's no point. With, in, like in Aliens, when they introduce the Alien Queen, it's like, oh, so that's where the eggs come from. It sort of makes a logical sense.
0: There's a life cycle to it, yeah. There's,
3: there's a, like ways you look at this. It, it, it's like, okay, so you've got small predator, big predator. How does this work then? Are, are like, the small ones the males and the
0: big ones the females? No, they're two different tribes, possibly two different uh, subspecies.
3: Yes, yeah, so I just didn't really like that. But okay,
0: okay. Um, I, I, I bashed on this movie. <laughs> Matt, anything to say before I go? Because I'm gonna go. He's
4: going. To uh, well, I mean, I didn't. I, I enjoyed it enough. It was. Uh, it was an enjoyable sort of blockbuster film. Um, my my issues with it were uh, several of the ones that, that that Neil mentioned. Adrian Brody just seems odd and a very odd choice. There's um, I no idea how many other people that I think would have been better in that role and he would have been better not having the Batman voice. That just kind of annoyed me.
0: Um, would, I mean, he was
4: softly spoken for most of it, and just
0: occasionally when he was trying to make sure that people were listening to him, he'd turn around and go, we got to get moving.
4: What's yeah, it? but it's not... He's, it's so far from his what, It just sounded put on the entire time. It just sounded odd. It didn't It didn't really fit him uh, all that well. Imagine but if it'd
2: it'd
0: it's a, b- acting the same as he did in King Kong here, though. You'd be like, dude, this guy's going to get snapped in half like a twiggler. Well,
3: <laughs> wouldn't Adrian Brody have been a better choice for the, the serial
4: killer? Mm, possibly. I think so.
0: I think um, ultimately but, the, the, the reason they chose Toe for Grace is because if someone makes you laugh in a movie, you like them and trust them more. And if you like them and trust them, and then the, the whole thing betrays you you're like oh uh, yeah. okay but if if they're i mean if adrian brody had been the the obvious like shifty from the very beginning you'd be like i don't trust this guy nobody should trust this guy but you think topher grace couldn't say boo to a goose he seemed so helpless
4: yeah like, fuck all of you guys <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a fair point that's a fair point um a few of the things that in fact,
0: Topher Grace made me think that he could possibly play Drake in this movie. Okay. Again, makes you laugh. I would got still rather
3: have Nathan Fillion, but okay.
0: Better than Mark Wahlberg.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear God, <laughs> <Definitely>, yes.
4: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, probably the biggest problem I've got with the film is that it just feels a bit like lots of really cool scenes bolted together. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it just doesn't really sort of... Bits, some bits seem rushed, the other, the other bits seem drawn out, and and it, they seem to try and force um, sort of nods back to the first film into into Predators. Um, I mean, there was all, there was the various quotes, there was the big gun, there was everyone going ape shit and cutting the jungle apart. Mm. What the fuck are you? Kill me, do it now, etc., etc. It just seemed a little bit forced at times. The bit with um, Hanzo, uh, the, the the sword fight was basically the same as the Billy. Billy. Only he didn't Billy he got to see. Only he didn't get utterly that. punked by the Predator. Um, <laughs> you sort of yeah, kick yeah. the fuck out of it at yeah. the cost of his own. Life. And the Predator died as well. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he beat the, the Predator. Clearly, <laughs> he just he, he, did, he died at the same time. Um, and one. Per- it's a very minor thing, but the claymore mine that um, Nikolai. the Russian guy, uh, Nikolai, uses to take out the Predator, a claymore mine is a hundred ball bearings that rip people into bits. It isn't not a, big a fucking raving fireball. It wouldn't. It's just stupid. It, Maybe it, it is
3: a Robert Rodriguez <laughs> flick. There has to be a fireball in there somewhere. I think it's like a legal requirement. So
4: why not use something that would create a fireball instead of a <laughs> fucking claymore mine? it's got an effective file. range of about sixty meters, maybe. It's just silly. It just I don't know, it just pissed me off. <laughs> there was this ridiculously big fireball. I don't know why. <laughs> it was a quite a cool scene, but it's, I don't know, it just just uh, got on my nerves a bit to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was good enough and it was a bit like um Die for Four in that regard, that it, it's it's, it's entertainment, it's sheer entertainment, but it just isn't uh, it oh should my have God. been quite a lot more do you know what I mean it just doesn't really do the, the franchise justice you see I, I think people
3: I think what people got excited about was Robert Rodriguez Predator but it isn't it isn't isn't you know he's producing he wrote but he didn't direct i think that's a big difference because rodriguez does have that sort of throwback style he's really good at that really throwback style you look at something like uh, desperado by
0: kids uh, no when Spy he does
3: kids, kids movies, movies he's
0: really he, sharp on lava girl i will admit this <laughs> rodriguez
3: when he does kids movies they suck but when he does desperado once upon a time in mexico movies like that uh planet terror They've got this really good throwback quality to it.
0: Oh, God, Planet Terror is like having my eyeballs pulled out from my anus. Strangely
3: enough, I thought that about Death Proof.
0: <laughs> Didn't like either of them. Okay, right. C- can I go? Because I want to go. I feel like I'm totally up against it at this one. <laughs> I, just, right,
3: just, I just feel like you should
0: go, kill me. I, do it. I
2: need, do it no! now. do no!
0: it! <laughs> you may drink. I need to take a shot, folks. I need, to, um, I need to win the audience back with this one. Okay, Predators may be my favourite of the trilogy. What? Totally. And it wasn't until I saw it twice in a row this week. I watched it once uh, on TV and then again on my iPod while I was writing this and just noticed so much texture to the film. Two things strike you when you start watching this. The first is how faithful to the original it is in terms of setting and music. Now, you could just say rehash to that one, but I say faithful. I say... John Debney's score paying homage to Silvestri's, but elaborating on it with a more dramatic and pacey undertone. A lot of design decisions and moves made by the actors and creators serve to make this an intriguing film and genuinely decent follow-up that gets this wayward series back on track. That's another thing you've got to think about. It has been lost for years... This was the first time we'd actually seen a Predator film without an alien involved for, what, 20 years? Yeah,
3: I mean, even Rodriguez said the AVP movies were
0: not good, and they're not. Well, no, they, they specifically designed this to be like, look, okay, forget those two, we're back on track. This is the Predator series. And, in fact, both Predator 2 and Predators make reference to the events of the first film. They say, you know, back in Guatemala, 87. Well, yeah,
3: because Busey, I didn't mention that, Beauty that that team knows all about what happened with Dutch so you, you imagine that's the logical step that's taken after Dutch makes his report was debriefed <laughs> whereas in this one it's uh, uh I forgot her name Isabel Isabel she's sort of heard the tale of what happened if that makes sense which
0: makes no sense I can't sense believe, she's I can't believe you hate the Batman voice when the whole of the first film is just macho posturing
3: yes but it's <laughs> but there's a difference right Adrian Brony going Adrian Brownie's going, come with me, kill me, kill me now. Now swap that for Arnie.
0: You expect okay. that. Back to me.
2: <laughs> back to you.
0: They had a lot of ground to make up for after the AVP movies. First tried to peddle these intergalactic human slaughterers to children with a PG-13 rated confused mess of marketing and secondly with a heartless R-rated sequel, which was simply a slasher film, albeit an amusing one to some. <laughs> It was 23 years after the first film, and the notion of an action hero had come on leaps and bounds since Schwarzenegger. The casting choice of the superb character actor, Adrian Brody, was a twofold advantage for them. Firstly, it meant that he would bring a genuine brooding intensity... Batman voice and a coldness to the role, giving the impression of a rather unpleasant backstory without ever having to discuss it too deeply. Secondly, it is far more realistic portrayal of a soldier. He's muscular but athletic, and his key weapon is a shrewd and sneaky way of approaching battle. it's a shrewd and sneaky. Way.
3: It's an assault shotgun. That's not sneaky.
0: That's uh, okay. That's his weapon. I mean, when he when they're in the camp. And he works out that they're being watched. He backs off and hides, waits for the rest of the team to get attacked, and then attacks the predators. Okay,
3: fair point. I thought you you meant (laughs) this. Yeah, he's definitely
4: smarter than I. He's
0: also, like I say, heartless. He uses people as bait. He he acts for the whole film like he doesn't care about anybody and he will do what he has to do to survive and grows a teeny tiny bit of a grinchy heart at the end. As a result, there's less macho posturing in this movie than the previous two. They're all in big trouble, and they know it. That's why there's less of that mistrust, because they have to, to work together to get by. And most of them come from scenarios where they don't trust anyone anyway, so they kind of get on with it. More to the point, cinema is a different world now. The audience has been fed quality sci-fi, and we've been shown a strong character motivation and a decent, taught story treated seriously with a wink and a nod can be thoroughly effective filmmaking. Predator 2, in contrast, is positioned much like the video game movies of the 90s. This is what you want. Blood, gut, swearing, and gunfire. Take it. Eat it. See you in another year for a sequel that even Danny Glover wouldn't be part of. There are many reasons why I prefer Predators, and one of them is that the creators have a higher estimation of us as an audience. If there's a shark to be jumped, it's Larry Fishburne, who does the jumping as Noland, the absolutely bonkers reclusive hermit. Again, Arnie was the one they were hoping to return as Dutch, and from the sounds of what you're saying there, Neil, their second choice was Danny Glover.
3: You see, if it had been either one of those characters, Mm. that role would have made a hell of a lot more sense. Yeah.
0: You could see how them having to survive on a planet... You know, because they've seen the predator, and the predators are like, "Right, this—you can't just leave this guy wandering around. Chuck him on the game preserve. See, see, where, see if he floats." Um, but see, how, you can see how him surviving on this planet for many hunting seasons would give a certain spherical quality to these films. Dutch went on the defense at the end of the first film and has never stopped. However, Arnie was governating at the time, so they went with Fishburne instead. Fishburne plays Noland a Notch above Gollum as an almost feral scavenger, surrounding himself in what oh yeah, I don't like him either, in the pieces of his, his environment to survive. It's easy to see how he could have slipped under their radar, but also what a toll it's taken on him. Sadly, he's hammier than an exploded pig. It's, it's almost like that. there's better ways of showing that somebody's crazy. It's almost like while he was doing
3: CSI, he forgot to act.
0: Yeah. Who are you? Who are you? I'm alive. The three predators stalking them are the falconer, the tracker, and the berserker. And it would appear that they are from a different clan or maybe even subspecies to the classic predator seen in the first two movies and AVP. To show the distinction, they have a predator of that kind that we already know as their captive who comes into play heavily later on. They use hounds and a tracking drone to flush out and spawn humans, respectively. Their motives are pretty simple. Unlike hunting on Earth solos in the first few films, these guys are using a game preserve on an alien world. It's a great deal more unfair scenario than the former, seeing as their quarry is snatched away from their own turf, dumped here, and left to figure out what's going on. It's debatable what would occur if they actually survived a hunting season, but most likely they would be left for the next one to go insane, as Nolan did. Like bulls in Spain, they're given no chance but to scrape at what life is available to them. There is no going home. As the story goes on, we learn that this planet is a training ground. This is where they come to hunt and develop their skills, constantly pursuing evolution into the perfect killers. The irony being that they're not... And as long as they're governed by hormones and emotion, they never will be. Because this leads to insecurities. The pursuit of perfection and their sometimes tenuous grasp of honour cloud their abilities. It makes them excellent warriors, but arrogant and occasionally sloppy. It's also led to this ongoing war between the larger and smaller clans as the ultimate end to the pursuit of perfection it's a division and rivalry that comes with obsessing over narrow ideals the perfect killer it turns out is royce because he's able to switch off emotion and coldly assess each situation using the treacherous psychotic liar edwin as bait to lure in the remaining berserker i do take issue with how easily the classic creditor gives up in the end it seems to take a single viciously impactful headbutt to break his spirit for a decapitation But it's an extremely fun battle to watch since we've never seen Predators fight one another before. They seem remarkably impulsive, obeying none of the ritualistic routines of the first film. It's clear that these two loathe one another. Anything about any scenes that I've mentioned so far that you want to elaborate on?
3: I'd just like to say you got a lot from the whole Predator versus Super Predator thing that I didn't because there is no honour, no nothing from these new guys. They are just nasty. Yeah.
0: That, that, that's that's kind of what I meant. They they just hate each other. There's none of this. I, no,
3: I don't mean just towards the practices either. They are just nasty to everybody. They they don't yeah. fight fair. There's n- they are almost just. Uh, I think maybe what they're going for is to show the difference, maybe, hmm. uh, between the ones we know and the ones that they've introduced. Maybe that these these newer ones don't fight fair. They don't play nice. You know the whole
0: point of. I've, I've read the book. They could probably kill a whole bunch of pregnant women and kids if they don't
3: yeah, th- like like Yeah, you see, I've read some of the books as well, and the whole worry culture thing's really expanded in the books, whether or not you want to say they count or not. A fair point, because I know most people go, if it's not in the movie, it doesn't count. Yeah.
0: It counts think, for Star Wars as well. Yeah. Only the expanded
3: universe is so much better.
0: The amount of homage paid in this film to the original, and even Predator 2, is nothing short of staggering. There's the jungle setting, the creeping confusion, as the unlikely team try to work out what's going on and who's out there. Old Painless, over here, turn around. In each film, a character gets their spinal column removed, while still attached to their skull. Hanzo taking out the falconer in single combat, mirroring Billy's last stand. Royce's final battle plan with mud and fire. What the fuck are you? Come on, kill me, I'm here, do it now! A sudden, unexpected loss of an advantage, when the Predator uses a different function of his mask to detect his attackers, the removal of the berserkers' arm, the incredibly faithful music, and, of course, long, tall Sally at the close. It's almost so intent on reminding us of how fantastic the first one was that it spends less time establishing an identity of its own. Hence, it's far less quotable. Now, I, I would agree, uh, Neil, and one of the first things you said was that it's it, it just goes out there and goes, remember this bit? Remember this bit? Remember this bit? Well, yeah, I mean, the,
4: the scene with going over the waterfall... Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. another one. Yeah. That at
0: like the, the same waterfall.
4: Yeah, but kind it why? It's, it's almost that they put this stuff in where they could have been spending the time almost doing to check it, the something else they had.
3: Yeah, it does. That is another problem with this movie. It is. Right. Which what I don't have it? a
4: problem with. I don't mind that. It, you know, it, I've not got an inherent issue with doing that. It's just that a lot of them seem to be forced, jammed in, and they didn't really fit.
3: I just think they spent something. too much time trying to Nod to one and occasionally to two instead of making three be its own thing, you know they do do some different things, and one thing I do want to point out there are moments where the cinematography in this film is gorgeous that potmark uh river run that they they take a break on looks gorgeous you know you do, they do some wonderful locations some wonderful you know cinematography uh, i can 't knock that but this i feel the story's weak the characters are weaker it does feel like too they spent too much trying to go predator one predator one predator one predator two predator one it's like no you need you need this one you're bringing predator back you need to go you know what yeah this happened but we're going to tell you this story
0: Really, again, gonna uh, contend against that whole the story's weak thing when compared to Predator and Predator 2, it's about the same.
2: Again, really. I say I mean, it's, Predator it's,
0: it's, to me, it's a little bit more complex. I, I,
3: I would say that Predator 1 and Predator 2 have complete stories, whereas this one does not have a complete story, it doesn't really have a resolution.
4: I think with Predator, the advantage that, that Predator has is that the story is. Very simple it's a very basic simple story and therefore it's dealt with very well and and there's you know it's just a nice simple story dum dum, laid out and everything's built around that with predators they're trying to put a little bit too much in there and so it doesn't seem to quite fit as well uh, as as predator did and predator 2 I would say is, is much the same to be honest they they're trying to Put a bit extra in, more in there, make it a, a deeper film than, than Predator was, um, and it just, it's not entirely successful. But with, with Predators, they're trying to be a bit too clever. I think.
0: Could it not simply just be the ultimate uh, destiny of the uh, the lead characters? First and second ones, like let's go home. Third one. They say, let's get off this fucking planet, but they're not getting off the planet at that point. If they'd been in the ship, flying away, like in pitch black, like, you know, let, let's go home, we've got Earth on the navigator. And we, you know, I, I suppose that's pretty much what happens at the end of Alien Resurrection. They get back to Earth.
3: Uh, like I said, I wonder if they're just saving that for the next one. You know, like I said, sequel bait.
0: It's it, There is a huge, huge potential to expand this.
3: Which is what well, I fact, think they're yeah. hoping for. And what was the rating for this one?
0: R. 18. Was it? Not R18. It was an R and an 18. Yeah, I
3: just wondered, because it definitely...
0: (laughs) I don't remember the the penetration, apart from... Down boy. Um,
3: I I mean, considering what we had before in Requiem, uh, this is such a return to form that, you know, this is Oscar winning compared to that piece of shit but, <laughs> but I feel that I, I personally think this is the weakest of the lot but then again maybe it's the, again I'm very much about the story because I've just li- looked up the writers and um, what's listed here is the guy that wrote well that's listed as one of the writers also happened to write the new Three Musketeers movie
0: I haven't seen it is it rubbish?
3: Uh, it's a m- Paul W.S. Anderson movie it's all about look at my wife look at my wife isn't she amazing? Oh, and there's Orlando Bloom.
0: He's got Rennie Harlan syndrome. You know what? I wouldn't actually call it uh, the the strongest film, because I think Predator 1 actually gets that accolade, but it still Again, might be my favourite, and the one it, I want to Really, when more.
3: it comes down to when we say Predator it's uh, our own personal choice. You know, like I said, Predator yeah. 2 is just the one for me. I absolutely love Predator 2. I, I really do. Maybe, whether or not, you know, that some, you know, just because it was the first one I saw, it's just the one I really, I really do enjoy. Predator One's really strong, but no, you know, I have hated on this movie, but I don't hate this movie at all. I, it's absolutely, I can nitpick, you know, I have nitpicked it.
0: But you've seen oh, some I, shit. You know,
3: what? trust me and when people turn around and say like, "Waterworld's the worst movie they've ever seen." I just want to turn around and go, "You Luxury. don't watch enough movies." Yeah. But, you know, this has got some great moments, and I know he always does this, but I'd love to see Danny Trejo in just about anything.
2: Oh,
0: we should do, a uh, uh, Gonzo, about, like, our five worst movies each. Oh, That'd be great. God. Like, the, the, the most awful do, films do to, watch to watch we have to watch them, though, again? Uh, I don't think so. That sounds like cruel and unusual punishment. You know, okay.
4: okay, there's no way I'm watching You oh, ever again. Or the post. Not even
3: okay. in my wheelhouse, mate. <laughs> so, oh, God. <laughs>
1: rescue team not assassins now what are we gonna do in a part of the world where there are no rules we pick up their trailer the chopper run them down grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there what do you mean we deep in the jungle where nothing that lives is safe you lose it here you're in a world of hurt
2: showtime
1: knock knock an elite rescue squad You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. (laughs) Is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now. What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy Mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took it. We cannot see it. No blood, no bodies, we hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. So whatever it is out there, I killed Hopper. And it wants us. It kills for pleasure. Ah! Uh! He was skinned alive! It hunts for sport. It's killing us one at a time. We're all gonna die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds. You can kill it. Twentieth Century Fox presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June twelfth, at theaters everywhere.
0: Okay, now that Predators has come and gone, we're back on track. There are several things I'd like to see in the inevitable follow up, which has been hinted at repeatedly since this movie launched. 1. The return of Royce and Isabel. We've never seen a character encounter Predators twice, and the prior knowledge of their species would change the game. 2. A strong identity. It would need to break away from the first now that they've winked and nodded and referenced it enough times. We need new material. 3. Characterize the Predators. The novels had them speak to one another and explored their motivations and culture. It's time. It's that simple. If you want to expand and deepen these things, have the predators talk to one another. Have the predators yeah. discuss things. Or even just, if you don't want to have them have conversations, just do the whole thing with visual storytelling and make it a- obvious, not obvious, and make it apparent See, what they're doing the, and why the they're doing it.
3: only shred, little shred of goodness in Requiem... Is the brief glimpse of the homeworld, well, what you assume to be the homeworld, that was interesting. I suppose
0: not. And again, yeah, that technically you you do get the the idea that the wolf predator in the in ABPR is like, uh oh, aliens been seen on it, Earth.
3: That's Gotta go like clean up. It was no, that's that movie. We'll, we'll deal with that movie because I'm just
0: I just <laughs> okay. I want to run I. Mean-spirited movie. You'll only have to stop renting when <laughs> yeah, that's I'm. That's only because renting. I need
3: to breathe. Can I just right. point out? I want to say this again. Now I've mentioned it before. I've got to say this again. Walter Goggins is awesome. <laughs> Come on, he's got a shiv and he takes on a predator,
0: and it's brilliant. Yeah. Does he call him an Something alien? Like like that. Oh, yeah, he's terrible. He's back shivving him. Oh. <laughs> Come on, you alien faggot! I'm sorry. I just I... <laughs> a new species added. Not aliens or pred-aliens, but something just as interesting that has not been done before and presents the hunters with a genuine challenge. The predators need to be on the back foot and cautious about being overwhelmed. Not the smug, stalking thugs they've been portrayed as in the past. We need to see well acted, physical performances more along the lines of District 9 or Pan's Labyrinth. Imagine Doug Jones inside a predator costume as a taller, thinner, more thought-provoking predator. That, that would be interesting. interesting. Although, to Some- be fair, they did introduce two new species in this one. Yeah, I mean, but they're both feral well, creatures. Well, no, they, they sort of introduced
3: anything. their oh, like, hunting hounds.
0: Yeah, you got the the hounds, yeah, and then there's weird that, that weird runny thing. creature thing, which again didn't really seem to have anything to say. But yeah,
4: you realise that that weird runny creature thing—that's basically what the predator would have looked like if they hadn't redesigned it in the first film. The duck creature. That's basically the duck. that's basically Jean Claude Van Damme as the predator. Yeah. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't bright red. <laughs> nicely yeah Yeah. i I can't believe that i hadn't noticed that before that that roughly would have been what they look like okay number five some definite elaboration on the score we need an imperial march to signify that the world has expanded rather than just riffing on the same handful of themes laid down by sylvester in 87 number six dutch should make a cameo at long last and if you can get him in there harrigan as well Arnie is in Expendables 2 so there's no more excuses and for God's sake make him act he can do it Terminator 2 and Predator have proved it it would genuinely be interesting to see what his character could have become over the years, depending on his situation. And seven, it goes without saying that this next one absolutely must remain
3: an Definitely. R. That's the one thing they really got right you, with, yes. keeping the age rating and not pandering to the studios and doing a PG-13 piece of shit.
0: Keep the budget down, keep the rating up, and then you won't be having to get the 13-year-old kids and the families. Cause I, it just feels genuinely unsavoury trying to get kids it's to a, watch AVP. It's one Seriously? of the strange... and the- That's the same rating as the dark night is thing, wrong i mean kids shouldn't really be watching dark Knight either the stupid but like thing is
3: where to blame for this because growing up we all did it didn't we we you know we went of age and we watched nightmare we watched predator we watched alien and aliens
0: <laughs> and they were awesome and yes. they And then studios went hmm
3: maybe if we lower the rating
0: hmm, we find that kids like these characters the reason well. to turn Freddy
3: into a clown We've alluded to the AVP movies. There is a really, really good book called Alien vs. Predator, and I can't remember the author. It was turned into a graphic novel. You mean Prey? uh, Yes, is that the first one? That is the book I I recommend people Uh, read if you want a good AVP story.
0: I want to say Steve Perry. I think it's Steve uh, Perry because he did two.
3: There was a sequel. I don't think the sequel was as good, but the first one really is well set in the Alien Predator universes and marries them very well and makes logical sense. In fact, they borrowed some of it for the movie.
0: I think the whole Naguchi, we'll talk about this in the, we talk about Alien vs. Predator, but the whole Noguchi thing is uh, it was a, fe- a woman, a human woman being indoctrinated into the uh, Predator's clan. That was interesting. And then the, the follow-up book for that uh, big game. Uh, she was basically a female, human Asian, dressed as a Predator in the clan and she was hot. communicating with them and being part of their tribe.
3: She was very hard. She was there. hard, yes. Just that is a re- that shows that you can do these stories well.
0: And it shows that the pre- predators can actually be there. Was there was narration from yeah. the point of view of predators in, in uh, these books? So it's, it can be done, and I really hope to see that in the movie. The author was indeed Steve Perry. <laughs> Next week marks the 50th digital Gonzo, so I have something rather special in the pipeline related to Gonzo Planet and the hard work that's gone into the first.
3: And seeing as the thing so, is like, it's protocols. the 50th episode, Alex, it's your round. I concur. Outvoted. <laughs> motion <laughs> carried. Get to the bar. Okay. <laughs> Get to the chopper.
0: Get
2: to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Get for the
4: job, wow! Get for the job, wow! Now listen up everyone. This next one's called NIRA!
0: and in the run up to the holiday season i will be giving the gonzo treatment to two of my very favorite yuletide movies i'm talking of course about the recent robert zemeckis performance capture rendition of charles dickens a christmas carol and of course it's furry muppet's brother
3: christmas carol
0: oh yeah muppet's christmas carol awesome <laughs> two versions of the same story that I absolutely encourage you guys to track down and experience for yourselves. Can I be on Either the show? you guys want to be on that show. I'll be on Well, no, it's the same one show, but it would mean you'd have to find and watch the... uh the ah, I can watch Christmas the Muppets, Carol.
3: Muppets the I can do that. Ah, I can do that. <laughs> See, we don't, we don't care about Zemeckis. We <laughs> just want to yeah. watch the Muppets
2: again.
0: <laughs> you will thank me. It's really quite entertaining. And Jim Carrey... Acts. I haven't seen that since The Truman Show. Once again, if you love the show, then show the love and jump onto iTunes and give it a review. That way more people can discover and enjoy the gonzo goodness. I'd like to say thank you to Doberman Airfoils, Silicious, Jamie Codling, and Action Jim for your very kind review comments. Stuff like that sells this show to newcomers in a way that no amount of grandstanding on my part can match. So we will see you later. Over Excellent here, turn around. Anytime. <laughs>